Hey everybody, welcome back to more Random Encounter. We are still in the triple digits. I don't know why I thought, why am I saying that? It's not going to change anytime soon, but we are creeping closer to episode 200, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I've been doing this for a while now since um, it kind of got foisted on me, which is kind of funny. Uh, and uh, I've, it's, it's been a good run so far, and we're going to keep on running with it. And the reason why we're running with it so smoothly is because I've got over on my uh, metaphorical right hand uh jono logan on the mic hey instead of doing our 200th episode why don't we just dump to like the 2000th episode it could be like random 2000 (laughs) just mess with everybody like like it was back in the early 21st century i promise of still being three yeah it was like every movie had 2000 after it random encounter 2000 episode 20 (laughs) xx then random encounter in advance and then yeah (laughs) Yeah, Super exactly. random encounter. That's the only way we'll be able to beat uh, Solosi is by cheating <laughs> and fudging the numbers. Uh, you heard there the voice of John Tooker Tucker, who is back on the episode once again. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back on, John. I mean, I know you uh, haven't always been on the podcasts in the past, uh, but you've been starting to be a more frequent flyer here with us, which I appreciate. And I don't know if that's just life schedule has lined up now or you feel you have a good enough microphone or the confidence of us saying you've got a smooth buttery voice i'm not sure what it is but i'm glad you're on more well thank you it's uh it's fun doing it uh yeah just been uh back in the reviewing game a little bit more lately than i have been for a while yeah you've been on fire i think uh, i think my last one was number 125 for rpg fan oh man that i've done yeah it's amazing uh and that and that right there is Zach Wilkerson, who hasn't been on for a little while, but uh, we're glad to have you back, sir. Hey, glad to be here. And uh, yeah, you've uh, you've probably noticed around the site there's been some changes, uh, and one major recent change as of this recording, uh, I would like to say a shout out and congrats to uh, Jono, who Woo! has been uh, promoted to being in charge of our reviews department, because our fearless leader, Mike Salbato, has been trying to do that and everything else, uh, as he does. So it's nice to have someone step in to be able to take that off his plate. So, yeah, congrats, Jono. No problem. He's been doing a heck of a job the last few months, but uh, that plus the what we're about to talk about, the site, uh, it's been, I understand, it's been fairly stressful. And I'm delighted to take on the job. I, I have big ideas, and I've already started to abuse my authority. So, <laughs> It's true. He fired me. From mm-hmm. at least from that department. No, I'm kidding. But it is funny that uh, John is now the boss of me in one department, and then whereas uh, he is the slave to me on the podcasts, not really. It's pretty autocratic, really. Here, um, is that what I'm looking for? Socialist? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> political terms. Throwing them out there like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to politics at RPG Fan. We honestly don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, Roll pod. <laughs> political game what i don't know anyways uh yes the uh the proverbial elephant in the room is that our website has been updated massively Uh, i mean i mentioned that in like the little kind of blurb last time because our last episode came out as the site was launching and uh yeah it's it's a nice refresh this is a new age for all of us here at the site the site looks great too much better functionality way easier to find games now yeah, that's nice. And the added author feature where you can see what everyone has contributed to on the site as well, which is really great to uh, draw attention, I guess, to everyone's contributions much easier because there's a lot of people who aren't as openly uh, faces to RPG fans, so to speak. So it can be hard to find where they chime in here and there. Yeah, and I, I think 
I, one thing that's always annoyed us as well as readers is having to like when you go to the front page and you see oh there's a review or something you click into that link and it's like no this is a news story about the review click the link at the bottom to get to the actual review oh, like we we didn't want I'm to do that we just like our old infrastructure didn't let us do anything else and now we don't have to do that now when you click a link for a review it takes you straight to the review i think you guys know we're not about the clicks we're not you know trying to build up that ad revenue um yeah. so i mean john you've been here longer than uh the three of us <laughs> yeah. like so you've probably seen some iterations of the site so but this new change is definitely probably for the best in like every way shape and form no doubt oh yeah yeah uh, and even in the past every change that we've had has just been like somebody built a better tool to let us do the same thing uh in the same way this is like it's just such a humongous change and like you said so many things that will make it easier for us to get content out there uh to everybody and hopefully better for everybody uh who's trying to read as well um you know we, there's some still some things that we're working on getting ported over uh i think we only brought like the current year's news and we'll bring over all the old news stories and things and i know uh they're still working on getting older galleries for stuff and you know a lot of stuff yeah but because I don't think we want to do the whole, so here's the archive, takes you to the old clunky site. Have yeah. Fun. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. That's not, not fun in the for It's one of the reasons it's took yeah. so long, really. Yeah. It, yeah, and Zach, you've been, I mean, both you and Jono have been quite instrumental in helping with porting over all this stuff. But Zach, speaking to you directly as uh, head of features, um, which, I mean, I don't know if we've had you on since you got that, but congrats, by the so. way, on that. You've Thanks. been doing a heck of a job running all that stuff. Absolutely. And... I know features, at least on the old site, were also a pain and a heck of a build to do. Oh, yeah. So are you excited about, again, having this new functionality, this much more streamlined process with getting them out there? To be honest with you, I'm excited that I could do it and I don't have to make Mike do it anymore. <laughs> I mean, uh, like I, would, I, I always felt bad. Like every time we like ran a group feature, I was like, hey, Mike, here's this big pile of work now. Um, and now like um, uh, working with WordPress is just, I mean, I... I've been working in the sort of the back end for probably five or six months with it now. And it's just so much, it's so much easier. I mean, mm-hmm. I, even I can do it and I'm not great at computers. So <laughs> at any rate, new site is pretty lovely mm-hmm. and uh, I'm excited for all of us having, yeah, just so much more functionality, both in making use of it and in uh, being able to post things to it. Yeah, so come on to the site, take a look around, play around with the games. If you have a game that you particularly love, click on it, and you'll see everything we have for it. So every podcast it appeared on, all of the reviews, mm-hmm. uh, all of our media, some of which is hysterically funny because it's like 15, 20 years old. <laughs> I want one other thing to mention with the with the new site, just because we've heard it from a couple of folks uh, out on like you know social media and stuff. Um, one of the site, one of the features that we did have on the old site, but we don't currently have on the new site was a page where you could click to uh you know like systems so say like what's all the ps4 reviews what's all the switch reviews oh, right. we don't have that mm-hmm. yet but we are planning to get that back just we we don't have it right now so mm-hmm. oh we forgot the most important thing there's a dark mode oh <laughs> yeah. yes super important bottom right hand corner of the screen you can't miss it there's a little moon click on that and you got a dark mode going for rpg fan yeah it looks slick as heck like the whole site and uh i'm gonna use that as a really clunky segue to go into something else that looks slick as heck 
Um, that would be Paper Mario, the Origami King. All right. Yeah, we all buy that. We're going to let me go with it. Sure, yeah. thanks. This is uh, we'll allow it. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but that came out July 17th, and you've been playing uh, this lovely Nintendo gem. Uh, have you not, John? Yes, I have. I actually just uh, just finished it uh, a couple days ago, uh, and then I went back to do a little bit more so that I could get one more you know, completionist thing checked off the list. Um, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, you it's monster. <laughs> I know, all right. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I was looking, you know, using actually that same thing that uh, you guys mentioned earlier. I went to my own page on the site to see like what are all the Mario games I've reviewed before. Uh, this is number six. Um, it's it's not going to get the best score of all of the Mario games. That's going to be that's going to stay a thousand year door. That's one of my all time favorite it's games. A hard one to beat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but it's not going to get the worst score of them either. Um, no, it's been reviewing well. It looks like all about the internet. Yeah, yeah. I like that there's one review site that gave it 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a that little generous. That seems generous. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's an odd mixture. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, having loved, especially having loved uh, Thousand Year Door as much as I did, I'm, I'm still sad that we've kind of, that they've, they've decided that Paper Mario is not going to be that kind of an RPG experience. Um and they've gone a different direction with it, but uh, this one is definitely a lot sort of closer to that feel than you know some of the ones that we've had in between then and now. Um, the battles are really weird, um, but they are turn-based and you know HP, and you get stronger as you go through the game. Um, and you do have companions, not throughout the entire game. Uh, through certain chapters of the game, you will have a companion with you, and they'll uh, join in a fight, and if you don't manage to take out all your enemies in a turn, uh, then they'll make an attack, and their attacks are, are usually pretty decent. So uh, they're good companions, um, but they really kind of That's are... Cool system. Yeah, they're kind of more for out-of-combat things. Um than they are for in combat things. I guess that makes them more central to the story moments in a, in a sense. Like it's less about just having a party member for the sake of it. They're actually also important to that point in the story, justifying them being there. So it kind of raises their personal stakes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, there's, That's nice. Yeah, um, and and having them only in that one you know, that one part of the game lets the game be a little more targeted in that as well, where. They know that, you know, the professor is going to be with you at this point because that's who your companion is this chapter. Um, nobody else. Uh, the one thing that was weird to me, I've always been a, a puzzle fan. Um, and yet somehow I just never felt like I was good at the puzzles in Origami King, which is, uh, I guess, the, the combat is very puzzle based. Uh, if you've seen screenshots or the videos at all, you know, but, you know, the short version for anybody who hasn't is when you enter the sort of combat arena, uh, you are in the middle of a set of concentric rings. Uh, I think there's yeah, four rings going out from you uh, and your enemies will be somewhere on them and you'll get a set number of moves to twist and shift the rings in the right directions to make all of your enemies line up. And then if you do that successfully, you get a boost on the power of your attacks that turn. Um, and if you don't, then 
you not only do you not get the power boost, you don't have all your enemies in a nice line that you can jump on one after another. So you kind of get double penalized, uh, which when I didn't do well at the puzzles was really aggravating. Um, but I did find out uh, that like at the very end of the game, I went back into uh, a place. Oh, what's it called? I went back into a place in Toad Town, and I can't remember the name of it. It's got two big hammers out front. If you if you play the game, make sure to go back in there after the first time you go in, because when I went back in, they give you an an item that lets you turn on a menu option to show you where the enemies are supposed to end up if you solve the puzzle correctly. It's an optional thing. Oh, neat. Yeah, and if I had had that uh, throughout the game, I probably would have used it some. Uh, as it stands, when it came to uh, normal battles, I just, you know, I did however well I could. Uh, and then when it comes to boss battles, it's the same layout, but uh, instead of trying to line up enemies, the boss is always just in the middle of the circle and you start on the outside instead of starting on the inside like you do in normal fights. And you're given a set of arrows and different action tiles on the uh, on the, the rings that you need to slide into a path that lets you do the thing you want to do. Um, that might be getting right up next to them and hitting them uh, with a normal attack or it might be positioning yourself in the right spot to hit them with a special attack. Uh, those, uh, given the fact that you have a, a time limit on all the puzzles, including those, I mean, I, in, in my opinion, I just straight up cheated uh, on those. <laughs> I, I would take my phone, start the thing, take a picture of the, of the way the rings were set up, you know, hit the home button on my switch, and then just stare at my phone get out my stylus and draw things on my phone to try and figure out how I'm supposed to line these up. Yeah. I'm always a fan of using some kind of life hack to make an annoying part of an RPG easier. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Captain Stapler over here. Exactly. <laughs> but I think the moral of the story is, you know, your uh, enjoyment or lack thereof of those puzzles is going to drive a lot of uh, your enjoyment of the combat in the game. Uh, but fortunately, a lot of the times, uh, you don't have to fight a lot of people. So, yeah. Mm. Visually, it's it's got that great Paper Mario style. Um, it's And as you go through the game, uh, you're always rescuing toads who have gotten stuck in different places or who've gotten folded into various origami things. Um, and as you rescue toads, you can sort of use those toad points, I think they call them, to unlock concept art uh, back in the museum, uh, which also looks really great. Um, and, I, you know, so that's good. The music is really great. Um, the, you know, the world is fun to move around and, you know, kind of solve the uh, environmental type puzzles. And, and I think those who have been frustrated by some of the stuff in the the more recent um, Paper Mario, you know, series as a whole, I think will appreciate the direction. Maybe like me, they'll, they'll still be sad that it's not, you know, Thousand Year Door 2, but... Uh... I think my only other question uh, before we move on from this, if I may, is mm -hmm. does anyone at any point say, fold it right there? <laughs> oh, I really hope so. It does. If they did, it didn't stick with me, but they, they really need to have said that. I mean, that game is pretty 
on point with its pun game usually. So oh, yeah. I'm disappointed if someone didn't. I just kind of feel like Paper Mario, it's like a hit band from the 70s and they keep trying new things, but the audience is just like yelling out the old favorites they want. Like someone in the audience is like, Thousand Year Door! <laughs> yes, as, as Bare Naked Lady said, me or... all, you, all you want is 1973. And it's hard to, as everyone sees with any piece of media that has to walk in its own footsteps, because you're going to get so many people that are doing the whole give us thousand year door. And then they're like, cool, fine. We'll give you thousand year door too. There you go. And then, you know, there's going to be a good, like 40 to 60% of the audience are like, mm, they didn't really iterate much. It's just like thousand year door. They could have given mm-hmm. us something new. And it's like, but this is what you wanted. <laughs> oh, that's the internet for you. Yep. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, mm. thank you. Uh, thanks, John, for, Given us some yeah. some love on that, and your review's probably going to be up sooner rather than later, so that's cool. And people get to see where you weigh in on it, uh, where you draw the line, the thin paper thin line. Um, I'm still not sorry. Anyways, getting away from this, uh, Route 59 brought us Necro Barista. Uh, I don't know how anyone feels about having a side of soul in their uh, coffee, but <laughs> uh, Necro Barista is all about that. We got that. Uh, it was on mobile first on July 17th, and then shortly after we got a Steam release. There's console ports coming up soon. And uh, I was playing it a bit because Zach over here has a, a review coming for that game, and I'm playing it as well to grab some video coverage so we can have both coming out together. Uh, it's an experience. It's the most, like, just pure visual novel Absolutely. that I've had the, the chance to experience. Yeah, I mean, um, that's actually, um, I think by the time this posts... We'll, uh, we'll have posted both the video review that you're working on and also my review. Um, but one of the things I focus on in that, um, it's, it's a visual novel, first of all. Um, in terms of the premise, it's basically it takes place in a cafe in Melbourne, Australia. And the idea is that in that, in that cafe, like when after you die, you have 24 hours to then like sort of figure out your life um, in that spot um, before you move on to um, whatever comes after. Um, and nobody knows what comes after because nobody in Necrobarista has seen it. Um, and um, it focuses mostly on Maddie, who is the current owner of of the cafe, um, and also another guy who used to own the cafe. You're not really sure why um, he doesn't own it anymore. Um, and then you also have like a like sort of a I don't know a player fill in character named Kyan, um, who um, just died at the beginning. So it's it's a visual novel in the purest sense of the word. Like there is almost there's no real choice in it. Like as you go throughout it, most visual novels nowadays they're going to give you like multiple branching paths and all these different things. And Necrobrista isn't interested in any of that. Um, it's telling a very linear story, even for a visual novel, from front to back. Um, and the thing that sticks out to me about it is, first of all, the art style is just. It's just unbelievable. I mean, like it's like this anime-inspired three D. It's really cool models. Um, and the thing that I really love about it is that it's so cinematic. Um, like it's not it, there's not explosions in it. There's not like loud loud bangs. It's it, it just they, they pay attention to composition. Yeah, the cinematography, so to speak. Yeah, yeah most video games are terrible at this. Um, Necrobrista is not, um, and it, it does just incredible work of. Um, you know, using like sort of the moving visuals throughout to communicate the relationships between characters and to communicate mood. Um, and the music is amazing. 
Um, and it, it's really like a subtly told story that's just about like the people there. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really veer off into um, like sort of like the world building is there, but it's really not about that. It's about the people. Um, and I think it's philosophically like a really beautiful game. Um, and just, it's also just beautiful to look at. It's beautiful to listen to. Uh, I'm not usually a huge fan of visual novels, but man, I'm, I'm glad I played this one. It's been a, a really wonderful, calming experience. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I wasn't expecting it to be so heavily a visual novel. Like, I was, I thought I'd, there'd be a little bit more gameplay as opposed to just kind of rolling through. Uh, I guess, if, for lack of a better term, it's like a almost like an animated comic book for mm-hmm. for for that because it's not quite like you're playing through like an art house film since there's not as much motion, all of it's very subtle and mm-hmm. smooth and slow. Like you'll see a character like turn to leave and then it'll freeze until you decide to continue the scene, which threw me off at first. That took me a second to get used to when like the opening sequence starts up and I'm like, why is nothing happening? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. That happened to and me too. I had actually. To, like, <laughs> click or hit enter. And then I was like, Oh, it's me. I have to define when it moves on weird. Okay, cool. So now I define the pacing and all right, neat. And I like that, but yeah, it's, so I found it more akin to just yeah going through a very stylized, like again like literal visual novel, and like you said, the cinematography is stunning for it. I want to live in that cafe. Oh yeah, the terminal is <laughs> oh amazing. Yeah, one of the captions I used in uh in my review for one of the photos was like, please someone build this very cafe. It's like books everywhere, and there's like good drinks, like you know of the alcoholic variety, and there's a great coffee, and like I'm like oh like I want this place to exist in the world um billiards table a glowing tree yeah. it's on a warehouse so it's very industrial looking yeah mm. plus it's probably the first coffee house you've been in in six months <laughs> <laughs> that's a true story Jono. that's a true story friend um <laughs> yeah as a person who used to often work in coffee houses yeah it's a little hard but um yeah i mean there are some gameplay elements which i think you talked about have you gotten to those yet greg the gameplay moments yes i had i'm about chapter three so i've gone through a few of those okay. beats which again threw me off when you get to kind of the um i guess the mist portion the first person yeah that's a good way of putting it, it. yeah but, i like that <laughs> yeah it felt very much like that just both tonally the lighting it feels very much like my my grievance with that like where you get to move around the cafe and put those gameplay elements into effect after another element which i'll let you speak to though is just like it, you i find you move a bit too fast oh i wish yeah you got to like move around a bit more leisurely in the place because i'm I'm like, I want to take it in, but I'm like sprinting around the restaurant, it feels like. And so it's kind of hard to. Yeah. I mean, you're so. Just kind of going, oh, I'm at the table. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I played it on Apple Arcade. Um, so that means that I was able to flip back and forth to my laptop and my phone. And I mostly played the game on my phone just because, just like the way it worked out. Yeah. How does that work with touch controls? Um, yeah. It's awful. Um, <laughs> the gameplay um, is really <laughs> atrocious. Um, I, I, like, the camera sensitivity is atrocious on a phone. Um, like navigating those areas is like really, really complex. And I, I guess sort of back up for a second. So what ha- so what happens in Necrobrista is it's broken up into 10 different chapters, um, almost like 10 chapters of a novel or like 10 episodes of an anime. You can almost think of it that way. Um, but between each chapter, what happens is like there are all these words that were highlighted during the previous chapter that you then have to pick from. And there are like different associations with those words. So like, for example, like, if one word it's was tricky. used to describe Melbourne or the cafe or Maddie, um, that will be like what it's categorized as. And you pick seven different words 
And then what happens is you walk around the cafe and with very, very terrible controls. I mean, just genuinely way more the worst I've ever experienced. Um, it's good on the PC. I'll say it's good. It's, it's, it, it was, it was okay on my laptop, um, but I was using a touchpad and it wasn't great. Um, because like, then you walk around an area of the cafe and like you select different items and based on those different items, if you have like three words that are categorized in a certain way, then you can see like a little text side story about like that character or about Melbourne or whatever. And in the, in the side text stories are interesting in terms of like the ones I actually got to see, because like, there's no way, cause there's so many highlighted words. Um, like a lot of times you're picking from like 40. Um, and so I would be left with like seven that describe Maddie and like none that describe Melbourne or whatever. And so I couldn't unlock them. Um, so I missed a lot of them. Um, so it was frustrating. It was hard to find. Yeah. I found that hard. Yeah. Cause you think also you, you, cause then you start, once you get the game aspect of the game, you're like, Oh, okay. I think this is, is referring to that person. Oh, it's food. Damn it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and like, it's hard to find the objects sometimes. And especially on a phone, it's hard to select them and like move yourself to like, you know, be in exactly the right spot um, to like be able to select them. Um, and I think, and in fairness, I think Route 59 has patched some of this, like, uh, and maybe like the version you played, Greg, had the patch installed um, for touch, touch sensitivity because that wasn't on Apple Arcade yet when I finished it, uh, which was like a week and a half ago at this point. Yeah, there is a way I can, um, I was looking through the menu and they did have a like a control for yeah. how sensitive your mouse and stuff was, so I probably could make it a little less extreme. But again, for me, it was more I wanted to slow down the walking portion. Looking mm-hmm. around, I like a highly sensitive mouse. I can see how that would be atrocious though with touchscreen because you have a smaller field. And um, is it landscape? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's better. You got more of a field, but yeah, that'd be frustrating. Yeah. So I mean, like the the, the gameplay elements, I thought were all like universally just really bad. Um, and so it's interesting because like when I reviewed it, I scored it like an eighty nine because the gameplay elements are so bad but like they're pretty limited like you you could really skip them entirely if you wanted to and in fact unless you're playing on like a pc i might recommend you do that um because the side stories are cool but they're like not they're just like flavor they're not nearly as compelling or as engaging as the normal story and then you're not getting the thing that really works about necrobarista which is the visuals um yeah it's just a bunch of lore yeah um still kind of neat yeah it's fine but you can mostly skip it so like but that to me like that section was just just atrocious but like the rest of the game like the story was so subtle the characters are so engaging um and you haven't in greg you haven't really gotten to the part that i i think the second half of the game is where things get really engaging um with the characters um things start coming together um but it's really like subtly told it's really funny without trying to be funny like i feel like a lot of games like a lot of times to me video game humor is just like not funny at all um, like, I don't know. Like, I don't really I like find this game quite amusing. Yeah. It's well written. Like, I don't really like Paper Mario series that much, partially because I don't think it's funny when it's trying to be funny. Necrobrista is hilarious. Um, and, but like, it, it's just like part of like, you can tell that it's just like part of the, the natural way that the characters would talk, but it's also about life and death. It's also about like why we do the things that we do, sort of the value of existence. Um, and it, it's really subtle and really artful, um, and really beautiful. And I like was crying like a baby at the end of the game. So um, that doesn't happen to me very often. I look forward to that. Yeah, it, in terms of visual novels, it takes the visual very seriously. It's beautiful. It sounds amazing. It has great characters. It's short. Like I think that if you're interested in good narratives, if you're interested in mood, because man, it sets a mood. Man, um, play this game. It's incredible. Really, it is. I was gonna say that game is a mood. Yeah, it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, it just feels like picking up a good book, yeah, really, at the absolutely. end of the day. Yep. Because you said, like, you if you skip those gameplay elements, really all that is is, like, the appendix. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't really need those. It just fills things out more. And it's... A part of me likes it. The completionist in me wants to go through those and try and figure out, again, the gimmickiness of it just to try and get more. So mm-hmm. I do like that as a point of fact. And it... Because it's interesting, because the game, because it's so well-written, because it's so cerebral, because the visuals and the music are so uh tie everything together so thematically beautifully mm-hmm. and like, warmly yeah and welcome i agree with that i'm like falling asleep in like a good way mm-hmm. i can see that <laughs> as i do with like good book because it just cozy. lulls me yeah exactly it's just just so cozy and lulling with everything about it that i'm just like i can't stick to it too long otherwise i'm like my brain starts going like let's take a nap now we're so we're so calm we're so at <laughs> peace we're not thinking about anything else and I'm like, no, 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 focus. You need to stick to this. <laughs> you mentioned that, you know, about all the, the characters. You said, I think you said there, there's some world building, but the characters are really kind of, you know, shine more. And it sounds like that's really fitting with the overall, you know, sort of closeness of it, mm-hmm. where not, not every game needs to be an epic world spanning thing. Um, it's yeah, a, it's, not it's a, different ex- a different experience, and that doesn't mean it bad in any way. No, I mean, I, to me, it makes it better. I mean, I I think the story is, it's simple, but it's true. Um, it's like really beautiful because it doesn't try to tackle, doesn't try to bite off more than it can chew. Um, it just um, looks things that we all have to look at in the face. Um, and it does them with a lot of subtlety and a lot of grace for its characters. But yeah, you two gents, I mean, John, you had a few questions. Jono, uh, is Necrobarista on your radar? I know you're a fan of the VNs. Yes, I am. Um, it has been on my radar for quite some time. L- listening to you uh, talk about it obviously makes me want to play it. The fact that it's short makes me want to play it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's funny what you said about um, you gave it an editor's choice despite the fact that it didn't get like a 90. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of that because I don't necessarily think our, fav- our favorite games need to be the highest scoring games. Um, like I, to anyone who listens to this podcast, knows I adore Yakuza. I've never given a Yakuza game more than an 85. Um, I love them, but objectively, when I play them, I can see what is wrong with them, what 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 doesn't quite work. Yeah. Um, but I still adore them. So I think that giving a giving a game that you love that really really hits you hard, a editor's choice, regardless of its score, is the way to go. Necrobrisa is good, like a coffee. If you're into that. Uh, which begs the question uh, for everybody here: What's your go-to uh, possible caffeinated beverage? Mm, usually, like a caramel macchiato latte, like not like a real caramel macchiato latte, just like a caramel latte. If I'm at a coffee shop, it's a chai latte every time. Just not a coffee guy. Mm, I'm a tea guy. Uh, we have a this really really great tea shop in Toronto called Pippins, which sounds like the most like stereotypical tea shop you've ever imagined just pippins um it's amazing tea and i mean amanda and i just bought four hundred dollars worth of it um which is sitting over there so yeah tea love tea (laughs) yeah i did the tea thing a little bit and it wasn't until i uh, like my second year in my relationship with annette that i finally started to like have an appreciation for coffee because she introduced me to like good coffee and well done cappuccinos and latte and such so yeah I, i like me a good latte but it's got to be dairy-free because my guts don't like the dairy. Fair enough. Right, exactly. At any rate, uh, to move along, another game that uh, dropped 
uh, around this whole summertime action uh, would be Summer and Mara. It's, uh, it comes out of, again, another like one studio wonder uh, with Chibig, who developed and published it. And it's interesting because a lot of it is... Um, they're, they're building a whole world and universe, as it even literally says on their website. You know, they don't just build games. They're building a universe because every game they have made is all set in the same universe, but they're all different styles of gameplay. Ooh, um, I like that. The last one they did before this is uh, a game called Dyland, Dayland, however you want to pronounce it. But it was kind of like a crafting, farming sort of sim. But you, I think there were some combat elements to it on like a little tiny planet. And... Um, a lot of those assets were like borrowed and brought over to this game. So you can see where they've kind of hit their stride and are making a mark for this is their style, this game, how it looks. And I don't know if anyone's checked it out when it was in Kickstarter or seen it since, but for me, like the visual presentation like struck me immediately just for how vibrant and wonderful and summer that it is. That It's a very pretty game. Yeah. I was very intrigued. And also it's a very uh, Wind Waker game. I wasn't going to say, but yeah, there's a couple of shots of uh, the boat on the water. Yeah, they're not um, they're not shy about it. Like, there's a few like very obvious nods in terms of how they've built the world, and I also think um, I feel like too they they make a, one or two like more direct references to this is the kind of thing they're doing. It's interesting because it yeah it all the whole thing plays like Zelda just without the combat. You, you're chasing around quests, trying to get X MacGuffin for X person to forward on to the next chain in the quests that will trigger somebody else's quests and whatnot. But at the same time, you can also go home to your home island and do some farming and craft some things to fulfill your quests or farm some stuff that you can then craft into things for your quests. Or you could just farm the whole time if you felt like it. Like it's, it's, it's a neat experience that meshes the two things quite well because I find... For anybody, mileage varies with farming sims because it's usually, especially with how Harvest Moon slash now Story of Seasons has um, put their stamp on that whole framework that it's more about the relationships Hmm. and then you do the farming, then you go get gifts, get married, get to know the neighbors and that kind of triggers the events. But that can, again, mileage varies with that. It's not always the most fun for everybody. And then they shake it up with like Rune Factory and now Stardew Valley where there's some combat and mining and crafting and stuff like that that kind of shakes up the dynamics. But ultimately, you're still coming down to progress to the next event by getting to know your neighbors. And that's kind of how you progress the game in terms of the actual mm. like story, so to speak. Because you can just sit there and farm all you want, but if you're not actually getting to know anybody, you're not really going to progress the story. Yeah, so it's very much in the mold of the the Harvest Moon style uh get to get to know everyone do do chores for them it's very it sounds very relaxing it is but it's but yeah what i'm getting to is it it still it shakes that up in such a way because you have much more clear tangible goals and quests because Mm -hmm. where the harvest moon rune factory that whole shebang uh can get you is you don't really know when you're going to trigger something with somebody you don't know when you've gotten quote-unquote enough friendship points with this character and this character to trigger this event you may never, because you forget to keep talking to, like, ex-child, you will never trigger such important event with your romantic interest, for example. Whereas, you know, you literally have, like, a quest list as you talk to everybody that says, this person needs this thing. Go get this thing. Go make this thing. Go to X place and do this thing. So 
it gives you it gets into this like quest grind routine that it simultaneously raises the stakes but keeps them very low because really you can do them whenever you want a la legend of zelda you know ganon's over there wielding his power and controlling the world but if you want to chase Kokos for 10 hours, you do that. And mm-hmm. that's similar here. You don't need to progress the quests. And that's one of my biggest issues I found with the game is because, like you said, it sounds relaxing. And it is. You're just doing this chilling out farming sim thing. You go sailing on the ocean. You catch some fish. You do some diving. You talk with the locals who really don't say much unless they have a quest. Otherwise, it's go away. I don't have anything for you. And then mm. there is non-named npcs that just kind of have like a puple um a puple i put pop up and bubble together how'd you like that (laughs) they have a pop-up bubble that uh just says again a canned something or other and that never changes so i felt there was some missed opportunity with like some of the world building in that regard but otherwise everything's very interesting but yeah you have these people you can all talk to and do things for but the pacing gets really muddled because you get into this quest grind that you're like just one more quest just one more quest just one more quest until you hit a roadblock because you haven't met the right person you haven't progressed your quests far enough to get the item like there was somebody i got to this point where i was doing really well because there's also like a progress bar under each person in the quest thing so you can once i caught onto that i was like oh i'm gonna finish all the quests for this person so it gives you this tangible goal and that's very exciting and you want to do it because it's like a drug and Mm-hmm. Um, and I hit this roadblock where he's like, I have to make this specific food recipe, but it needs pineapples. I, at this point, had gotten most of the map unlocked, had access to it because you get different tiers with your boat that lets you sail further and further out into the seas. Mm-hmm. None of the islands had pineapples for me. No one was selling me seeds for pineapples. I was like, where the heck am I going to get pineapples? And it was like hours of gameplay before I finally got pineapples to be able to make this one recipe, which is really funny. I kept meaning to chime in. I was obsessing over wanting pineapples for this thing so badly that my brain blurred reality and game, also because I was playing it so much for trying to get through for review, that when I was going shopping locally, I'd see pineapples and my brain would go, we should buy those, we need those. And I was like... Did you end up buying them? I did not. (laughs) Because I told my brain, no brain, you're being dumb. That's for a video game, not real life. I need, I have a problem. (laughs) It'd be hysterically funny if you just arrived home and there was a pineapple sitting on the table. (laughs) <laughs> what how did that get there which is actually funny because there literally is a pineapple sitting inside like the picture when you go inside her home i'm like oh, there's one i want that one anyways <laughs> i was just mocking you the entire game yeah and so yeah yeah i know i need the pineapple <laughs> the pineapple's a lie um but yeah the uh so you 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 would frequently run into a lot of these roadblocks where you just you you kind of like are bashing your head against the wall being like, where's the thing I need? Because you've gotten addicted to the the gameplay loop. And I mm. find that it was a bit of a struggle. But as I, I also mentioned this in my review, which I, I think ought to be out by the time this recording goes up, um, that also some people might not have this problem because they're not playing it at a reviewer's pace. So that need to get through it fast might not be there, but yes, it was. I think it took me roughly like 30 hours still to get through this game because it's a nice leisurely farming sim on top of yeah. the quest grind. And there's a lot of quests and everything to fulfill, and you basically have to do like everybody's quest to beat the game. I mean, I think there's a few you can kind of dodge by, but most quests have to be done in order to open up quests for somebody else that's important to progress the story to the next major st- overarching story beat. 
It's interesting because it sounds like, obvious, I haven't played it yet. Um, it sounds a little bit like all of the surrounding factors of, let's say, a Zelda game or an RPG or, like, there's a farming minigame. There's, you know, you can do all these side quests, but without the central mechanic of, well, battle, without fighting, without temples, without dungeons, that kind of thing. Um, is there, exactly. what ties all, what ties all of this together into a cohesive whole or does it? And that's, um, the other thing that kind of got me is again, the story, it's very nice and heartwarming. Like it's a very wholesome game and, uh, the team is Spain based. So there is a few like English issues, uh, in the game and like, uh, like that people speak a bit too, um, proper. Like it, again, like the localization is very much like, this is how proper English is spoken. And mm. not obviously everyone talks like that. Like there's a certain tone that comes through some of the stuff and that's helped by like, it has voice acting in the same vein as uh, Legend of Zelda does where it's just kind of like characterized tone that gives you a mm. sense of the character. Uh, but yeah, the story itself, both through, I think a bit of the localization and how stilted the English can come across. And because like you're doing all these quests all over, doesn't feel super cohesive. Like you get a general idea of like, okay, I think this is what I'm hap is is going on, but I found it hard for that to matter. Like again, that's where I say, while the stakes were high in a sense in terms of like the farming game aspect, because you had a quest to fulfill your farming duties for. At the same time, it was extremely low because there was no really sense of urgency to fix anything to do for like the overarching story to like quote unquote save the world, even though you kind of end up going in a direction that it seems clear that you're going to have to help save the world because the game is all about the balance of progress and conserving nature, being respectful to all living things in your world and such in yourself, but also take your time. Don't rush things, appreciate what you have kind of thing. And that you get that general sense and tone from the story, but like otherwise the gameplay mechanics don't really meld towards um, fulfilling that like a quest in Legend of Zelda where like yeah you go to the dungeons because there's a boss causing havoc or whatever whereas you're just going from person to person to person to find who's the person that's going to help me do the next thing I need to do to help the next person to do the next thing to help me do the next thing with the next person that'll help me do the, you know mm. so yeah it it struggles with cohesion with its story like you end up going through it and going like okay that was a nice heartwarming tale but it was so broken up by so and so just wanted you know, to cook. So-and-so just wanted this thing. And generally, most of the quests kind of feed into somebody else. Like, there's, um, you know, not to spoil too much, but there's there's two restaurateurs in, like, the hub town of uh, Kalis, which is the next town, or the next island over from yours. So you have your home island, mm -hmm. and there's Kalis, which is, like, the only other island that has, like, anything of importance on it. And that's where you get all your quests, because all the NPCs are there. And, um... They, these two rival restaurateurs, it becomes clear that one of them's, you know, stressing himself out by overworking himself to try and get new customers, whereas the other one is a native to the planet and a native to the island, so he knows what the islanders want and is having more success, but he's a little stuck in his ways and he has his, his nephew there who he's kind of beating down and his nephew just wants to kind of strike out and do his own thing. And then your character, Koa, she starts getting the bright idea of, well, why don't you two just work together instead of competing to each other and stepping on each other's business? It's clear he needs help because he's stressing out trying to keep up with you. You clearly could use help trying to shake up your menu, you know? And so in the end, you kind of help these two reconcile their ways and whether they agree to get disagree or work together, that kind of all gets figured out. So you kind of help that, but that's entirely adjacent 
to the overarching plot of like help out the planet but you need to do those quests to unlock the other people who are their quests to help you further the main quest right Mm. so yeah i can see that it's so that's where yeah it gets a little bit more closer to that traditional relationship building which is nice again it feels like you're you're helping you're filling out the world you're kind of playing through not quite a visual novel but again you're just playing through a story with like nice gameplay elements in between so you'll get out of it what you want um and it's been again getting i don't know it's it seems like it's average review is like an average game and it's uh by most site standards uh i'm fairly high on it because I, I like what it's trying to do gwen's been playing mm. it a bit and it seems pretty clear to her how to get around and do things so it's not like overly complex but i uh, will see how she does later because i found there was a few things too that i think they could have been clearer about like it took me a good portion of the game to realize that the quest menu directly feeds onto your menu but you have to go through the quest menu first because there's be characters who be like, oh, I need this specific fish. Here, I'll mark it on your map. And I was like, cool. And I open up my map, and there's nothing telling me anything anywhere. So I just ended up sailing around for a few hours trying to figure out where this might be. And there's a fast travel. Because you, the, you didn't go to the quest map? Exactly. If that... you go to, whereas if you go to the, your, mm. your quest uh, menu and go to the person's quest, and then you click on show it on the map, then it will show you an indicator saying, this is where it is. But then again, if you access the map, there's no indicators on the map after the fact. So you have to go through it that way, which seems a little clunky and annoying. Maybe they were trying to keep the map decluttered. They didn't want to do a bunch of different like colored pointers per NPC or whatever. Like I can think of reasons why not to, but it just it seemed a little counterintuitive uh, and was frustrating to figure out. Because, yeah, like I said, I would be nebulously sailing around for hours hoping to find something. And like I was saying, there is fast travel in the game that they've introduced shortly after i think the release but you have to pay for it so early game especially when you open up the first few islands it's it's expensive enough as it is to try until you can really get your farm going and get more of the the bigger items like once you get pigs and can get truffles and stuff you're really not banking a lot of money you're banking just enough to buy more seeds to just flip it over and get the stuff you need to fulfill quests and whatnot so having to also fork out because it gets more expensive the further from like the main island you go, having to fork out money just to fast travel around to save yourself time, which I thought was really annoying. So I'm like, I would just go there anyway. So why are you making me pay for it? Like mm. this is a convenience, and I get maybe you feel like there's something lost if we abuse it, but it's like if we feel like sailing, we'll sail because there's incentive to sailing because there's items in the water that you can bump into and you can get some free stuff that way. Eventually, you can rest rescue farm animals that you'll find on the map on the in the seas and stuff like that. So there is a reason to just sail around. You can encounter some pirates who you can buy stuff from and they can also trigger quests and stuff. So there's there's things to do. There's plenty of reasons why. So I don't understand why they felt the need to charge players for it. So Yeah. Feels like a double penalty. Exactly. Right. It seems like they're trying to disincentivize you to use fast travel but it's still there as an option and that just kind of creates this weird dissonance well exactly and it's it's like like the thing in pokemon right you start early game everything's hard from financially you know especially in the latest one you're not going to blow money on clothes um you're struggling just to get like the right like potions and antidotes and this and that but then by the end of the game you've broken the economy and you you're just like yeah whatever i'll buy pallet town um and that's the same thing here. Eventually, you can get to a point where you can pretty much break the economy because you are banking in the right items. So then it becomes very much a non-issue, thankfully. 
but it just seems frustrating because especially early game, you are constantly going back and forth between Kalis and your home island to craft things for these quests. They eventually introduce another little kitchen place on that island and there's another little workshop, but they're not as useful, weird, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, when instead of just going back to your island and being able to do everything in one place and collect your ingredients and all that sort of stuff. So you, you are sailing back and forth a lot regardless. Some A little bit more quality of life overhaul, and I think was one of the biggest things I pinged it for in terms of gameplay, because otherwise it's very fun and enjoyable, and like I said, the kind of eh, story aside, it's still very wholesome and heartwarming. The characters are lovely. It's Visually, it's an outstanding. Like All the character portraits emote really nicely when they're talking. My favorite point was um, you can unlock shirts and backpacks for Koa, and when she talks, her character portrait has changed, which is something I find most games overlook. That's uh, nice. Yeah. yeah, which I love because she has a shirt that you can get from a tourist uh, that says, I love Mara on it. I heart Mara in the vein of the oh. I heart New York ones. And when she's running around, she's wearing it and on her model. But when she's in the conversations, she's suddenly wearing sunglasses. And then she has sunglasses on. And um, I guess when she's running around, too, so that shirt comes with sunglasses and it's just it just makes her the coolest like nine-year-old <laughs> nice. ten-year-old whatever she is so all of it is really well put together in a lot of ways in terms of so many ambitious systems but yeah like just those little quality of life things like um like trying to sell an item is so like annoying if you're trying to do many of them because it just the the literal like ticking up is so slow and there's no like jump it up by 10 kind of option or anything so you're just mm. sitting there be like, I want to sell 99 truffles, but I'll be here for two minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, stuff like that is annoying. And as I also mentioned in my review, I felt like as more of the islands started opening up, some of the systems started breaking down. Like I would frequently get like an odd pop-up that would come up that I couldn't get rid of unless I like managed to move myself or sell myself somewhere and then it refreshed the screen. But it'd be really hard to see because it's blocking 90% of the screen. Or um, there was one time I, I went to my home island and I couldn't dock because the game engine confused itself that it still thought I was in the open seas water. And when you're in the mm. open seas, which you get a certain like vicinity away from the island, it is in the open seas and you can't jump out of your boat. So I wasn't able to actually like dock on my island. And I was confused. I'm like, is this a story thing? Like, am I just not allowed because of what's happening in the story or is it broken? Yeah, you really can't go home again. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. So it's like there's little things like that, that little small obtuse things like that, like the quest menu and um, that I, I feel like the game doesn't hold your hand, which is great. But there's some other stuff where you, like at least have like a library like in Harvest Moon that you could go to to figure out how mechanics work or just someone you can ask a question of. But every NPC is just programmed to be like, I either give you a quest or I tell you to bugger off or I sell you yeah. stuff, one or the other, right? Hmm. So it's, yeah, mileage may vary, but overall... I'm still pretty high on it. I kept wanting to go back to it, so I knew there was something about it, despite you know the the quest grind and stuff like that. So I think like Gwen's only gotten through a bit of like the tutorial and into starting the game in earnest, and so far she's pretty keen on it as well. So it definitely will be a great play for her and a younger generation because they may not be looking for the story to be as cohesive as necessary. They'll just kind of take it for the Saturday morning cartoon. It kind of feels like. Well, that's something I took from last week's episode, which really reminded me 
sometimes we're not the target audience of yeah. games. When when Gwen was here and and she was talking about uh, about Pokemon and uh, and uh, uh, Minecraft Dungeons, there was such a it, there was such an excitement about it that made me like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes Nintendo or like these other companies aren't making games for us or the reviewers or the hardcore people on Twitter. They're making games for younger kids who who would really enjoy them. Exactly, and they can see past the seams, you know they may or may not question the fact that they walk into their mind and it's raining inside just like it is outside. It's weird. They might think it's funny. Maybe it's on purpose. They don't know. They may not notice the little bits of seams where they didn't throw some graphical assets or whatever, right? And how janky jumping sometimes is or whatever. And it's, they're much more forgiving an audience. And that doesn't mean companies are cutting corners or whatever, but they're just, they're playing the game for fun. Like they're there for the simple pleasure of the fun. And if the game's fun, that's enough and that's what it needs to be and if you know there's plenty of us who can probably you know attest to a game that may not look the prettiest may not sound the prettiest but boy was it fun i just love what they've been creating with making this whole universe this whole world like i'm intrigued by it as soon as i got to like the hub island and started learning like oh this is just a planet and there's people from different planets coming to this place like a vacation paradise oh that's pretty neat okay I'm on board with this. And then when I started looking into the company more and realizing that, yeah, they've had some games on other worlds. Some of these species have been in other games before, maybe not as central characters, but more central to the story and stuff like that. I thought that was super cool. So I'm excited to see if this keeps helping them carry this style of game, play world, whatever forward. Cause I've always loved that idea of making a gameplay world and having different types of gameplay. Nothing, not everything needs to be an RPG in it. Not everything needs to be an action game. There's different mm-hmm. ways to approach the world, and I think that's super cool. And so I'm, I really hope Chive gets to do more of that. And uh, yeah, Summer Mar, it's, it's a decent hit so far, and I think it, it has set up a really great groundwork if they can keep building on. Like it's clear that's what they wanted to do because Dayland, like I said kind of established what they were going for with this then they got really mm-hmm. ambitious with this title if they can refine these systems and perfect it for a, another summer mar 2 or a visit to another planet or whatever like they'll have a really great 3d crafting farming kind of exploration game on their hands cool i look forward to reading your review and i'll throw out just for the uh, my fellow star trek nerds yes when he mentioned kayla's a bunch of times i did try to make a star trek joke i the closest i could come up with was one about maybe the rules of acquisition risa or the kobayashi maru none of them were good enough to actually make just know that somebody was thinking about it not just you <laughs> you you should feel seen now so yeah on with the subject of uh again i don't know i can only segue by saying more good games um I was playing because uh, Jono had done the review of Murder by Numbers. Again, video team took on playing it for video coverage so we could get that lovely video review out, which uh, I'm pretty happy with. I got to put it together, edit it, and I got to play the game. It's pretty neat. Um, Yeah, I I, think so, This is my first experience with Picross. Do you enjoy it? I do so far. Um, it's, it's, It's interesting. So I've only gone through the first case. Uh, mm-hmm. I just started the second one, and I do like the twists because, I don't know, I was really concerned because there's two people I found they were very heavy-handed about, and I was like, it's got to be one of these two, but I don't know. Uh, and then there was a sufficient twist to make me go like, okay, I was actually going away from what I thought that was, and now it was that? Okay, cool. So like the writing is compelling. They do a good job of kind of misleading and also 
with the setup of uh, everyone's personalities to to put a good few motives out there which was great uh but i i find the writing quick and snappy and compelling i like you get like some of the choices i don't know if those really influence things story-wise doesn't really mm. seem like it um like when you get a choice in the dialogue to be like oh what, no um, it doesn't my contract or whatever for example really early on yeah it's a solid visual novel in terms of there's not a whole lot of choice in the matter exactly but the the pit cross elements do a nice job of, again breaking it up in a, i would argue a more fun gameplay loop than necrobarista but i also get what you were saying in your review about how sometimes it can just it feels like you're doing it just for the sake of doing it like it yeah occasionally there's something like there'll be a i don't know screwdriver on the table and scout will have to spend five minutes to analyze it and figure out what it is whereas honor could literally just walk over and be like oh it's a screwdriver yeah and it's just if they'd done a better job of explaining that like scout needs to do that for scout's own purpose like they need to be scanning things to expand their library and rebuild themselves or whatever that is then i probably would have bought into it but it's annoying that it essentially blocks the gameplay from progressing unless you've figured those things out even though you as the player might be savvy enough to circumvent that needed object or whatever but then i felt like i'm like okay well i can't investigate anymore and i'm not allowed if i go somewhere else there's nothing to investigate there i can't really ask this person questions I'm showing them everything I got, and it's not really triggering anything. I guess I need to look around the room again. Oh, I found something that probably was there before, but for some reason wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess uh, play some pick cross, and oh, now I can progress things. Oh, okay, cool. So I found yeah. that was a little strange. Uh, it's also a little bit arbitrary because sometimes the items aren't on the screen, like they're just they're just not there. So you literally just have to pixel hunt for them. Yeah, exactly, and that's. I mean, it would have been arguably too easy. If they were there, you'd know exactly where, like, what? I'll look at this interesting-looking thing. So I get why that is. It's supposed to be something that, like, isn't just exposed to the naked eye. So that way, Scout's purpose of scanning things intricately and picking up things is more of use. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it just seems a little... you got to have a nice little suspension of disbelief to allow yourself to just jump to the, okay, I needed to get this thing, or, okay, sure, it wasn't there, but I guess it is. Yeah, I mean, it's... Also, I, the way I justified myself is Scout is not, Scout is, you know, a, a sentient life form, but it, it, they are not an they are not an iMac. They are not fast. They are a product of the technology of the time. So yeah, exactly. it will take them a little bit longer to uh, scan a screwdriver. Yeah, so I agree with you about that. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious, because you were a newcomer to Picross, um, how long was it taking you to uh, solve the puzzles in the first part? It was there were some of them could be pretty tricky. Like it depended on yeah. the, the puzzle for me. Um, I mean, I literally could go and look at them because I recorded myself playing some. And there's a few of them I was like, I thought I'd be a little more snappier with. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm glad I'm not posting this as like a first like 30 minutes game because there'd be people who'd be like, really? It took you that long? Because <laughs> there's a few uh-huh. of them that just, I something, I, I either put something in the wrong place and then I got my rhythm off and I had to go back. Like the Apple one, I had to like restart at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting because when I first exposed myself to the game, it was through Annette because uh, I, I was curious how she would like this kind of game because it's definitely in her wheelhouse of like fun visual puzzles like this and the murder mystery stuff. Uh, and so far she seems interested, although again, there's a lot of, she's like, there's a lot of talking. I want to yeah. play the game. There's lots of talking in the beginning. I, I, you know, I note that in the review too. It's especially in later chapters where it can take you up to 15 minutes or more to solve a puzzle. It just, it kills the momentum of the game dead. Um, 
Yeah, or alternatively, you're stuck in the middle of like a giant dialogue section and you're just like, oh, I kind of wanted to play Picross. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. Like, you can at least let the questioning lead to trying to catch someone a lie or something or mm-hmm. give you something that lets you unlock certain conversation strains because that's part of the, the interesting part of, from what I understand, I haven't played enough of it. Ace Attorney, I think, has a bit more of that where you, yeah, very you don't much just does, like yeah. keep mashing. You don't keep mashing conversation until you eventually get the answer you need to progress the story. Like you actually have to use some like deductive reasoning, don't you? Yeah, you do, especially in the courtroom sections. Um, but this game replicates the idea of investigating the scenes and trying to find things and, and questioning uh, the uh, witnesses. But with that, ga- this game is considerably easier when it comes to figuring out what piece of evidence you need to show them. Because, um, you know, there's a limited amount of them. It, it doesn't feel like a... It doesn't feel like a... Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. It doesn't go the full Ace Attorney, I guess. It doesn't It doesn't do what Ace Attorney does, which is make you feel like you're actually having a conversation. It makes you feel like you're reading dialogue and you're yeah. just being interrupted constantly by little, you know, windows saying, okay, which one of these do I choose? And you're right, there are, choice doesn't really, uh, doesn't really impact this. It, at least not, at least I don't think so. It gives you the illusion of agency. <laughs> yeah, as a lot of visual novels do. Oh, also I was going to say in your review, you mentioned you wish they had put in a reset button it's yeah. true i was annoyed by that too because it doesn't present itself as obvious you have to actually go into like the actual like options menu thing whatever like oh that actual drop down menu and that's where it has a restart puzzle which is weird yeah um it's whereas i just there. usually yeah usually it's just like a button on the screen that kind of thing yeah and so i thought that was i i knew what you just saying if anyone who has read the review like there is one but it's hard to find okay because i could not find it for the life of me I, and also i I firmly think that I'm a little surprised that it's actually not out on iOS um, or any like touchscreen because I I feel like this game specifically would be a wonderful title to have on touchscreens because certain games are made for touchscreens and you know puzzle games like this or visual novels usually work very well. Um, did you? Because I'm doing it. On, I was playing it on PC. Were you doing it on Switch when you did your review? No, I was also, also on PC. PC. Okay, because I'm wondering if it has the touch controls on the Switch. Uh, it probably does, but even then, Switch isn't, at least in my opinion, Switch is not the ideal, uh, touchscreen method possible. Like, if I was to play this game, I would totally be playing it on my iPad with my Apple Pencil. Yeah. I guess that brings us to the end of another episode. Uh, It does. Everybody. Um, you can find us, uh, on, uh, well you know, rpgfan.com. Go check out that nice fancy new site. But we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram as at rpgfan.com. You can find us on Facebook. And we are on Twitch with uh, Scott and the team through all kinds of fun games. And if you want to email myself, Jono, uh, the podcast as a whole, you can email us at podcast at rpgfan.com. We've had some good listener mail over the past few weeks and i would uh, like to take some more see what people are saying about things and then of course you can uh, listen to all our other lovely podcasts we have retro encounter which has some really fun uh, episodes that are kind of topical to what we were talking about today in terms of uh uh mario and such that uh, you've already started listening to by the time this is aired uh the superstar saga they played that out you've got hat and eric with the phoenix edge podcast which is keeping up with current events and then finally, uh, Rhythm Encounter. You can listen to back episodes of that and listen to some great video game music. Otherwise, uh, there's not too much else uh, to really plug. 
for myself, for Jono, for John, for Zach. Thank you so much for being here, fellows. Thanks for joining me once again on the podcast. Yeah, of course. It's always a blast. Yeah. Absolutely. And thank you, Happy everybody, for it. listening. We will, uh, yeah, we'll have you all back again soon. Bye for now. Later. Adios. Bye.